we're preparing um, <clears throat> what the Holy Spirit was, was having me to share tonight. Um, I had the foundation of this time that's been granted to me. I had it prepared Sunday, and then I come to church and what Pastor Mark uh, preached on um, just all through the the message, I was getting confirmation that there's just no way that this couldn't be an appropriate time. And it was funny that, you know, because, and I say funny, it's just sometimes, you know, the timing of the things of God, it'll bring laughter to your soul because one thing Pastor said that in some of the times that I speak, it's a timely word that I bring. Now, I don't know if that's just for him, if he if he does go back and watch uh, this time that I have, <clears throat> just to make sure if he needs to cut me off or give me right away, one of the, you know, but man, I, I, I tell you, which, hey, a wise man would do that, no matter who it is, you know, I wouldn't have any type of animosity toward him if he if he said hey hey you know i watched and uh hey i got a question about something where where in the world did you get that from and so i'd say well pastor this or that or this or that and then even if it come to the point of correction or rebuke i'd take it in humility and i'd fix it you know but uh just listening to some of the things he talked about, you know, he's, he's in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. We moved into understanding. He, you know, lean not to your own understanding, but trust the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and, and, and he'll direct your path. So if God is love and you acknowledge him in all your ways, then what are you doing? You're acknowledging love in all your ways. Paul addresses it. He says, your every action must be done in love. And uh, he he said something that he heard Keith Moore talk about. God wants, he wants you to be willing that there's no mandate by the law. If you don't do it, you're going to die. You know, they, they had mandates under the law, man. You One day, bam, next day you're gone. And so all that's changed in the New Testament. But one thing that God has... Uh, you know, required of us in order to walk in the fullness of the blessing and the covenant and the benefits of all those is the willingness of the heart. Amen. The willingness of the heart. And so, I want to I share with you some things I want you to keep in mind as I go over this material that Holy Ghost dictated to me. And uh, I just sit and write when I'm praying and preparing. I'm meditating on what this church needs. People listening uh, on the Internet or watching on the Internet. Uh, my, my greatest concern is this local body at Heritage Christian Center. This is where I've been assigned to come to. 
and I've been to other churches, I have. That's where I was assigned to be at that point in time. And then at that place and at that time, that was my greatest concern. What does that local body right there at that establishment with those people, those believers, what is it they need to see and hear out of me that will edify them, build them up, encourage them, and comfort them in order that we walk in the fullness of the benefits of God in this life? For what reason? For evangelism. So the world can see and know. And so I want to uh, share with you some, some topics I want you to just keep in mind about we are the body of Christ, okay? I want you to keep in mind this concept of an open display of truth. And then one of the things the Lord gave me at the first of the year and I'm going to share this with you. You just meditate on it in your mind and in your heart in the days to come. He gave me this concept to go public. And he, and he reminded me of, of when it was mentioned uh, about Christ and his public ministry. In other words, when he was 30 years old and that time that he, he went public with his ministry until the time that he was resurrected and ascended to go public. And then the, word, then the word evangelism and the principle of evangelism. Open display of truth <clears throat> to go public. And for the purpose of evangelism, and I want to read this, We Are the Body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I always, every, every opportunity that I get, I always want to encourage people, the 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourself. Have an open heart, open mind. Amen. And examine yourself right there in your closet to what you see and hear coming from the pulpit. Who, you know, if, if pastor's allotted me this time, then I'm sure he's prayed about it. The Spirit of God's approved uh, his move in this direction to give me this time. I don't take it lightly. Uh, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a great responsibility because there's more than just these few people here listening. The Bible talks about in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Heaven's listening to everything that I say to you. And at the same time, you have an anointing in your seat to, to be a, a, a divine listener. Listening with the same ability that the Holy Spirit listens to Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ, confirming the things that they said and done. You know, Pastor talks about in fellowship, we're, to spoke, we're supposed to have the same fellowship that the Trinity has. Absolute unity. And the Bible talks about that the Holy Spirit only speaks of what He hears. 
And we and that's who we have living on the inside of us. We have the ability to hear God's word with a divine level just like the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's read this right here. We're going to examine our own hearts. We want to make sure that just like the ruler, the the young ruler, asked the question, what is it that I still lack? Because for us to be made perfect, and and we know that uh, Scripture... uh, gives us that exhortation, be perfect, for I am perfect. We want to really know what that means. And for something to be perfect, it means it's lacking nothing. See, the Bible says that we've been given everything required for life and godliness. Amen? So if you've been given everything required, that means you're lacking nothing. But yet this... This one individual in the Bible, he asked this question, what am I lacking? So let's read this right here and, and keep, you, keep your mind and your heart open. Matthew 5, 48 is what I was making reference to where, where Jesus said to be perfect, for I am perfect. But verse 1 in chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, now I want to <clears throat> suggest to you that this first Corinthians chapter twelve, it has reference to spiritual gifts. But I, I, I wanna make I wanna make for certain that you understand it's more about the body than it is the gifts. And pay attention as we go along here and 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 see the revelation of what's being said about the body of Christ. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And there are various gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries or administrations or services but the same lord there are various operations but it is it is the same god who activates all of them in all people talking about the gifts of the spirit and it's the same god who activates all of them in all people or the word operates is there just whatever Whatever translation you may be in, it's probably one of those two words. But if you say that God is love, then when you're reading this in verse 6, there are various operations of the gifts, but it's the same love who activates all the gifts. And I got a note out here that the Holy Ghost gave me that love activates the gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another by faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, 
to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation. But that one and very same Spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as He will. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Gentile, whether we are slave or free, whether we all have been made to drink, and we all have been made to drink of one Spirit. The body is not one part, but many. And if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not the eye, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has established these parts, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. And if they were all one part, where where would the body be? So there are many parts, yet one body. Now, where God has established these parts, it's in perfect position and perfect order. Amen. Where God has established the individual members of our physical bodies. You hear me? That's what that's talking about. They're in perfect position and in perfect order. And he's making this comparison to the spiritual body that we are ordained to be just like the physical body that Christ walked this earth with. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, those parts of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those parts of the body which we think are less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less respectable parts are treated with much more respect, whereas our more respectable parts have no need of this. But God has composed the body, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacks it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have the same care one for another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members thereof. So, what, what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts is something that has come from heaven to help the body of Christ in the earth. And he's given these gifts to individual members of the body of Christ how he has decided to do it by his own will and his own purpose. 
And so, a question I, I want to present to you, are, are we connected to one another? And does the Word tell us if one part suffers, does it affect the rest of the body? So how do we respond to someone else's suffering? Here's a question. Are there things in this life that consume others and overtake them that we haven't been fully affected by? How are we to respond in the eyes of God toward other members of the body of Christ? When we pray and we say, Thy will be done. That's Matthew 6.10. Have we considered the cost of what it might take for His will to be done in this earth, in the body of Christ, as He has designed it to be? Have we considered the cost? And have you considered the reward? Are we just doing... Lip service, in other words, Jesus said, you honor me with your mouth, yet your heart is far from me. Now, let me, let me show you something right here. I'm going to go to this Matthew 19. Are we connected together in the body of Christ? Are we? Are we connected? Now, Pastor also said, I knew these things would come to my mind as I went. Uh, Sunday, if, if you, if you go back, once you hear this tonight and you go back and you listen to what pastor said Sunday, and if you play them back to back, you'll see the perfect synchronicity in what he said and what I'm going to share with you tonight. Now, one of the things he said, man, when you start talking about finances, everybody gets quiet. He said, I don't know of any other thing that. People get this quiet, and I'm thinking in my seat, I, I know of two things that the church gets quiet on. When you start talking about sexual immorality and money. Amen. I'm telling you, they get quiet. And so, uh, th- this deal here with the young ruler, Matthew 19, 16 through 22. And, and so... Uh, now one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good deed shall I do to have eternal life? And he replied to him, Why do you call me good? There, there is one who is good. But if, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You know you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Young man said to him, All these I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And so, reading the account in Mark, Mark 10, they they both show a different light on these. 
Just bear with me right here. Uh, Mark 10, 17 through 22. <clears throat> so when the, uh, verse 17, when he set out on his way, a man came running, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And just right along the same lines, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Bear false witness. Do not fraud. Honor thy father and mother. He answered him, Teacher, all these things I have observed from my youth. And notice this in verse 21. Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Now, you notice in Matthew, the ruler asks, what do I lack? In this one, Jesus is addressing the very thing that he's asking about in Matthew. You lack one thing. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was saddened by that word, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Now, and then Luke 18, I want to read this to you, same account, just something a little different. Why, why would it be mentioned love in that conversation that wasn't in Matthew? Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so, obeying the commandments in the Old Testament, God told the people of Israel, which is a type and shadow of what we're to, to look at in the New Testament, of those, that group coming out of Egypt, going in through the wilderness and entering into the land of Canaan. Uh, he, he told those people when he gave them the law, he said, hey, if you'll, if you'll obey these commandments, it'll go well with you. And so up until this point, with this young ruler, uh, there was no doubt that it was going well with him in his life because of the things that was mentioned that he had honored in pertaining to the law. He had, he had kept all of them from his youth. And he had benefited from that greatly because he's, he's known in the Scriptures as a rich young ruler. So he had prospered and done well just like God had promised for himself but the first mention of putting himself in a position to where he could help somebody else, he went away and withdrew. Amen. He went away. He withdrew from the Lord Jesus Christ because he had many possessions. All right, so Luke 18. And verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this word certain, here's, here's a, uh, in, in Luke, it's mentioned this. And what I've discovered with this word certain throughout the Gospels, when this word's used talking about a particular place or a particular person or a particular time, a certain time, a certain person, or a certain place, that particular event has already been discussed in heaven. 
prayers have went up, intercession has went up, there's a fullness of time that's taken place, and it's time for, for the decision of life or death, blessing or curses, whatever the case may be, whatever the time presents. This, this particular word certain means that uh, that person or that place or that time has already been discussed in heaven. And so this certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the confirmation of that is, this man, for that question to come out of him, he is being drawn by the Holy Ghost. Several reasons why that is in Scripture. The Bible, we just read that no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And this man addresses him as Lord over and over. And so no man comes to the Father. That's where we receive eternal life from. He asks the question about eternal life. No man come to the Father unless he first be drawn by the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? So that Jesus recognizes this man being drawn by the Holy Ghost and he's trying to get him to speak out his own destiny. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Uh, do, you, do not commit adultery and murders. Do not steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. You have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was rich and had many possessions. All right, so do you think that the life that this man was inquiring about, and Pastor addresses this over and over. Is, is just a better life your greatest threat to your best life? And is it possible that our best life could be connected to someone else's victory and success? Because everything that this man was asking Jesus for, the Lord kept tying it to the poor and unfortunate. See, this man was faithful to to take care of himself and make sure his own life was right, but as soon as Jesus asked him to do something for someone else, he fell back. And so, making this reference to the body of Christ, does the hand have abilities that the foot does not have? And, 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 and what I'm getting at is the question I just asked you. Is it possible that our best life is connected to somebody else's victory and success? And, and in 1 Corinthians 12, he makes the reference. How can the hand and the foot and all function and do what they're designed to do without each other? And if the hand is bound... How can it function in the fullness of its gifts and abilities? If the body is lacking a member, then the results will be lacking also. 
See, if you had, if you, if you lost you a finger, and we'll start with just one of the smaller things. You know, if you lost a finger, that finger was missing. Well, the first thing God showed me years ago, Matt heard me say it in jail. Uh, that is just a, a, it's just a marvelous revelation. That that if you if you lo- if you lose a finger, will your body ever be whole again? And the answer is no. And so if God loses an individual member of His body, will He ever be whole again? And, and I know, lean not to your own understanding now, but I'm just trying to use the same illustrations that the Apostle Paul uses about the body of Christ. And the answer to that question is no. There will always be something missing in the mind and the heart and the spirit and the nature of the living God when He loses one soul. One member of what Christ died for, there'll always be something missing. And I, I think I've heard Pastor Mark say before that your spot in heaven won't be occupied. And I'm almost certain I've heard him say that, that your place in heaven, your mansion will go unoccupied. And so... Um, so if the body is lacking a member, now you can still get things accomplished without a finger, but not the highest level of results. You, you, you won't necessarily be able to do the things that you could do with all five. What about your hand or your eye? Can you still function without, with, with just one eye? Yeah, you can. But will you get the highest level of results? No, you won't. All right, so if the body is lacking a member, and we're talking about the gifts that we read about in 12, then the results will be lacking also. So have we asked God this question, what do I lack? Have have you asked God this question in your own life? What is it I lack? And then you have to make direct reference to what is it that the body of Christ lacks? Because you're an individual member of that. There, there is no I in the body of Christ. I don't mean E-Y-E, the pronoun. Is that a pronoun? I. So what about when he answers and reveals, just like the rich young ruler. He asked, the ruler asked him a question, and Jesus answered him. So, so when we ask the Lord, what is it we lack? What does the body lack? When he answers and reveals, what will be our response? Will we draw back or draw near? And is it, is it, is it God's will that we be lacking or we be perfect? And does his will for our lives, the body of Christ, come with instructions and directions on how to get the results? Does it? And the answer is absolutely. It, it does come with instructions and directions on how to accomplish. Now, remember, we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about going public and an open display of the truth. So we get our first example on how the body of Christ is designed to work in numbers. Chapter 10, 
okay? Verse 29 through 36, Numbers chapter 10. Now, this example, we, we know that the Bible tells us that, um, that we're to look at the children of Israel as a type and shadow. We know that as examples. And so that when the New Testament church is established by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a pattern to follow in which we are instructed to do. Amen. All right, so Numbers chapter 10, verse 29 through 36. So Moses said to Hobab, the son of Jethro, the Midianite, that was Moses' father-in-law, we're setting out for a place which the Lord said I'll give to you. And, and so the Lord told the children of Israel about Canaan, I'm going to give it to you. And Moses is saying, come with us and... and and we will do good to you because the Lord has spoken good things concerning Israel. And Hobab said, now, keep in mind evangelism right here. Hobab's a Gentile. He, he's, not a, he's not a part of the children of Israel. Moses met this man fleeing from Egypt. Okay? So Hobab said, Hobab said to him, I will not go. You ever, you ever invited somebody to church? Huh? And and they told you, ah, well, let me think about it. You know, I don't know if I'm ready. Well, this is basically Moses is witnessing to the guy. He said, hey, come come with us. We're going to do good to you because the, the Lord's promised and said good things about the church. And we're talking about us now. This is a type and a shadow of how we're supposed to function, keeping in mind evangelism. Hobab said, no, I, I'll, I'll depart. To my own land and my own kindred. Moses said, Hey, don't don't leave because you know where to camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. So see, this is the first mention of the body of Christ, what we know about. I just read to you in First Corinthians chapter twelve. It's a type of his part he's gonna play in the body of Christ. The eyes. He's got a gift and a talent and an ability that's going to help the children of Israel reach the destination of their best life. See, it's connected to somebody else. You can be our eyes. Moreover, if you'll go with us, then whatever good the Lord does for us, we will likewise do for you. You see that? So this is the first type of the body of Christ being on, being portrayed in the Old Testament. And so if you go to uh, the verse 32, Moreover, whatever it is that God does for us, we will certainly do for you. So ask yourself this question. What is it that God's done for you? That would, that would cause you to go out and evangelize to bring people into the fold, into the kingdom of God. That you would be willing at this level. Now we already know that they plundered the Egyptians. They come out wealthy. 
And so Moses' promise to this guy is, whatever it is God's done for us, we're going to do for you. All right, so let, let's say this confession right here before I go into this next part. Our, our confession will be, uh, I, I'll draw near and be rewarded. We know from Hebrews eleven six that without faith it's impossible to please God. We're not leaning to our own understanding, but we're going to trust the Lord. Amen. So, so the little boy that brought the fish and the loaves, feeding the thousands, if he was leaning to his own understanding, he never would have even told him he had that food. But he said, Jesus said, just bring what you have. All right, so I'll draw near and be rewarded. I'll not draw back and be destroyed. I see, I hear, I'll do my part, and God will do his part. I have considered the cost, and with joy I will do his will. Is that your confession tonight? Have you considered the cost? you ever thought about what Jesus meant when he asked that question? All right, so let's look at John 13, 34. He says, A new commandment that I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you also must have love one for another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, one of the things the Lord gave me years ago is that the demonstration of love is the highest level of evangelism that God has in the earth. And the reason I, I come to that conclusion, it said in times about the Apostle Paul, he preached, and, and some believed and some didn't believe. Even Jesus himself, he preached, some believed, and some didn't believe. And, and Peter, it was said that about him, where some believed and some didn't believe. But this commandment, this new commandment that Jesus gave these men listening to him, the people of God, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also must have love one for another. By this all men will know. So see, demonstration of love is a higher level of doctrine and evangelism than excuse me than than the doctrine of love the demonstration of love is a higher level of evangelism than the doctrine of love cuz some preached when he preached some believed some didn't believe but but Jesus says here all men will know and so philippians chapter 2 we're we're talking about the demonstration of love do you think Moses was demonstrating the love of God when he told Hobab that whatever it is that God does for us, we'll certainly do for you? Do you think that was a demonstration of love? All right, so look at, look at this New Testament mandate here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any compassion and mercy... Then fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being in unity with one mind. Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility let each one consider or esteem or value the other more than himself. 
Let each one of you not only look out for your own interest, but also the interest of others. So do you think Moses was not only looking out for the interest of the children of Israel, but he was looking out for the interest of, uh, of Hobab when he invited him to come into the camp? Absolutely was. And so let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12. I'm just going to read some verses here. Romans 12. The demonstration of love is the highest level of evangelism in the earth. Just the doctrine won't do it. Amen. So, Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. See, this is where this comes in. What, what the Apostle Paul is saying here, love without hypocrisy means if you're going to preach it and you don't practice it. You're going to have a doctrine of love but no demonstration. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cleave to what is good. Be devoted to one another with brotherly love. Prefer one another in honor. And do not be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in the spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering and persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. Now, so... Why, why, why would you be so extreme? You're talking about let love be without hypocrisy and then hate what is evil. See, in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about uh, when, when you see a brother uh, in need of something and you turn away from him, the Lord calls that an evil eye. Stingy and tight-fisted is how that translates in the, in the Hebrew. And then over in, 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 in other writings that Paul has here, in James and in First John, the, the uh, epistle of, uh, John, not the epistle, yeah, First John, it mentions the same thing in the Greek. <clears throat> an, an evil eye, if you, if you have a brother that you see in need and you turn away from him, the, he even asks the question, how can the love of God be in you? So Galatians 6 and, and verse 2 talks about fulfilling the, lo, the law of Christ. What, what is the law of Christ? Do you guys know? John 13, 34. The new commandment that he gave. And so what makes it different from the old is the old says love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what makes the New Testament commandment different, now we have the ability to love with the heart and the love of God because the Holy Ghost is in our hearts. And it's a different level of love. It doesn't say love your neighbor as you love yourself. It says love one another just as I have loved you. So as that body of Christ that walked the earth when Jesus was here, that physical body, how he demonstrated his love for us is how we're to demonstrate our love for one another. And it gives us instructions on how to do that. So Galatians 6 
And two, brothers, if any man's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, watching for yourselves, lest you also be tempted, bearing one another's burdens, so to fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. And so then, once you read what we read here in the book of Acts, and I'm just about finished. Acts chapter 2, we're talking about evangelism. The demonstration of love is the highest level of evangelism. If it's just a doctrine of love and no demonstration, then hypocrisy comes with the love. And it just told us, let love be without hypocrisy. And so verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread, in prayers. Fear came over every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and and had all things in common. They sold their property. They sold their property and goods, distributed them to all according to their need, and continuing daily with one mind. Now, all this language is the same, what we've heard in in every verse that I've wrote, that I've read here, and that I've got noted. We're to be in one mind uh, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. All right, so on the evangelism side of it, is that not our desire for the Lord to add to us here at Heritage Daily or regularly, what whatever time frame that we want to measure it by. And the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. And so ask yourself, are we seeing this? Well, you can't get to verse 47 without first entering into 42 through 46. And so, Acts 4 is the same thing. Now, you've got to keep in mind, when we get over here in Acts chapter 6 and then Acts chapter 11, see, all this is verse 32 of chapter 4, all the believers were in one heart and soul, And no one said that what he possessed was his own. But to them all things were in common with great power. So so you, you can't get to verse 33 without having verse 32 happening. See, this great power that they're talking about is the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. With great power, the apostles testified to the resurrection of the Lord. And, and the great grace was on them all. 
uh, there was no one among them who lacked. For all those who were owners of land and houses sold them, brought the income from what was sold, and placed it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each according to his need. <coughs> and then in chapter 6, I'll briefly tell you about it, verses uh, 1 through 7. So there was a, a cry about some of the widows wasn't receiving their daily provisions. And they came to the men of God and said, Hey, uh, they were the Hellenists and, and um, uh, the Greeks. They, they have different words in whatever translation you may be. But it was two different groups of people. Uh, and one of them were complaining about they wasn't getting their daily provision. And, and these men of God, they stopped preaching long enough to get the love right. They knew that once they went out and preached Christ and there was, there was murmuring in the camp of God, in the body of Christ, that people weren't being taken care of, uh, that would discredit their message about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God's made the world a promise. If you come unto me, I'll meet every need. And so in Acts 10 and 11, Peter explained and encouraged different religious leaders about God's will for all who have come and will come into the body of Christ. And it's a type of the Old Testament uh, uh, of Christ in the New Testament. And I, and I showed you all that in, in where we started in Numbers. In Acts eleven twenty nine, and I'm just going to make reference to the Scripture, it's the standard that God has set for us in in which is different from the rich young ruler. In other words, he told the rich young ruler to uh, go and sell all you have. But we know from Scripture in the epistles that Paul wrote that as a man's purposed in his own heart, let him give. And then according to how he's prospered. See, God doesn't want everything that you have. He just wants what you're willing to give. But this is, the, the demonstration of love is the highest level of evangelism in the earth. This is how God reveals himself to the world through the body of his son Jesus. And, and he made a covenant and a promise and a guarantee, come unto me and I'll meet every need. And see, we are the body of Christ. And this part about going public and uh, for, for the purpose of evangelism, you know, I mentioned this to Pastor several times. I've already begun to practice it. Um, and I would suggest to him and hoping in reminder that he'll go public with this one particular part that we've been called to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given instruction to the churches of Galatia, even so you must do. On the first day of the week, let every one of you lay in store or save up as God has prospered him so that no collections be made when I come. So he's got an open display of truth. He's gone public with this offering that he has told the churches that he's established. Uh, we need to designate an offering. For the, for the saints of God, the poor saints of God. <clears throat> uh, and, and then, 
so that when, when needs come up, we don't have to take up offerings. And we need to go public with this. We need to let people that is in this church and uh, that's got family, that they, they can say with boldness, you come to Heritage and we're going to help you. That's why the multitude followed Jesus. He met their needs. He paid Peter's taxes. Amen. He fed them. He delivered them. And and so I assure you, you got people in this church right now that's got gifts in them, the gifts of healing, the manifestation of the gift of wisdom, all the different gifts that we read. But they'll never manifest themselves through those people if they're bound by the world. And there's a reason that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, hey, let my people go so they can worship, so they can serve, and so they can sacrifice. Well, why wouldn't he just let them do it in Egypt? Because bondage frustrates all the things that God's called us to do. And, I, and I, I've already got some insight on people that can lay their hands on somebody in this church and instantly uh, have miracles happen. But their minds and their hearts are bound by some of these things in the world. And I'm talking about finances. You can have people in a wheelchair and in prison and they can be more spiritual free more spiritually free than somebody that's financially bound. And when we get to a place where we get, get people delivered from financial bondage, you're going to be able to see the gifts of the Holy Ghost manifest at Heritage Christian Center through some of the most unlikely people that you would ever think. That gift is on the inside of them. Those, those parts that seem less respectable, the Bible said they deserve more honor. See, God knows something. He's smarter than we are. He knows the gifts are on the inside of them. And who done the delivering when Jesus walked the face of this earth? He did. Well, guess what? We are the body of Christ. Again, I, I'll remind you of that. So, um, I tried to rush a, a lot of stuff. There was some more detail that I wanted to go into. I, I, I want to sum it up with what I've mentioned before. Uh, no condemnation toward anybody in any part of this church. But are we walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost when it comes to evangelizing the world? And I, I've been here long enough to observe we, we're not being added to at the level that the Scripture tells us that we should. And 
And if we're satisfied with ministry the way we have it, just doing church and going home, then this fell on deaf ears. But if 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 you read if you're ready for uh, what pastor I think it was a whole year that uh, the significant ifs and the significant shifts go hand in hand. So if you're ready for something that God has designed for us to have at, at a divine level, then we're gonna have to get into an area that that makes us uncomfortable. And it's about the money. What what are we doing to help people that need help? And so I'd encourage you that just like the scripture Paul gave the instruction, whatever you do as far as tithing and giving, we ain't talking about the general fund. We're talking about a, a collection for the saints to where we have money set aside. And, and the Bible talks about putting men in place to oversee it with wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. And it's not going to come without some kinks in it. Any great move of God had stuff going on. But that's why you put men in charge with, with wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost so they know how to deal with the people. Because God knows how to deal with the people. And I promise you, if we just begin this process, it will not take long that you'll see the benefits of it with people coming through the doors and want to be a part of this body. And that's God's will for the church, that they be added to daily. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord God, um, I, 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 I'm sorry I may not have presented it uh, with the greatest clarity, but I'm, I'm just, by faith, I think that... Uh, your message and your will for the body of Christ uh, has been revealed, even in the slightest measure, if we'll just begin a process of walking in it. I have no doubt in my mind and in my heart that you'll, you'll show the results immediately that this is the will for your people. And Father, I thank you for the opportunity that uh, that's before us. That with great reward, um, we'll move forward. We, we'll draw near, and we won't draw back. And and Lord, we'll be quick to grow in the things of God as we see them manifest, and we see them begin to uh, take part in this church. We're going to increase in it as we go. And we thank you for the opportunity and the position you put us in to turn the world upside down through the ministry of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.